0: Welcome to the ASHP Official Podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Vicki Vesliga, Director of the Section of Clinical Specialists and Scientists here at ASHP. And thanks for tuning in for this episode on COVID 19. COVID 19 has presented many clinical, operational, and educational challenges over the past years. With that in mind, ASHP is sharing insights and lessons learned presented by your peers from the 2021 Mid-Year Clinical Meeting so that you can incorporate these lessons learned into your practice as we all do our part in caring for our patients.
0: My name is Brian McCarthy and I'm the director of the inpatient pharmacy team at Lifespan. And this is Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired, new perspectives on occupational burnout during the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining me is my co-presenter Dr. Lalitha Prasad-Reddy, who's the Associate Discipline Director of Pharmacology at Rush Medical College.
2: So before we get into a discussion regarding specifically COVID-19 and burnout, it's important to think about what burnout is. So burnout is a state of mental and physical exhaustion related to caregiving activities. It was first described in the 1970s among individuals who are related, primarily affected and primarily work in service related professions. It has three distinct domains. Number one, emotional exhaustion, Two, reduced personal accomplishment, and three, depersonalization. Emotional exhaustion is being just physically tired of work due to that, due to excess work demands, decreased job resources, and excess um, job demands. Depersonalization is a feeling of cynicism and detachment that occurs to make job and to make the job a less personalized experience. It's often done to protect yourself from the everyday strain that work provides. And finally, if emotional exhaustion and depersonalization are not addressed in an appropriate manner, reduced personal accomplishment can occur. And this is when individuals do not feel like they're worthy or that they are making strides and providing themselves promotion within their job environment, despite the fact that they continue to have high job productivity. When you look at studies, it appears from a gender perspective, emotional exhaustion occurs in both males and females. Depersonalization tends to occur to a higher degree in males, whereas reduced personal accomplishment tends to occur to a higher degree in females. There are several occupational drivers in burnout. And oftentimes, again, the first manifestation that's going to occur is that emotional exhaustion due to, due to excess workload. So increased job demands with decreased resources to suffice those job demands is often the perfect recipe for burnout to occur. Inadequate support and inefficient work environments are known as the workload job control model where individuals are asked to do more, do more, do more, but they have no resources to do it in. In a healthcare situation, and specifically working with as pharmacists, we may have challenging patient situations. We're not just taking care of their healthcare needs, but we need to address their mental, their emotional, their psychosocial needs as well, which can be challenging. It can be difficult to maintain work-life balance, and especially during the COVID-19 pandemic when individuals were asked to work far more than what we were used to. Loss of autonomy and control, and a mismatch in values where many of us don't agree with the organization structure, we don't agree with the values of the organization, or we don't feel that the organizational values are matching intrinsically what we're asked to do every day. Burnout has several consequences, and it's important to keep in mind that this can affect the individual, the healthcare provider, the patient, and the organization as a whole. For the individual who experiences burnout, there's certainly some consequences as it relates to their effectiveness within their job. There is decreased productivity, Obviously, when burnout occurs, it's typically because individuals are working at a high functioning rate. They're highly productive. Over time, they'll become detached, and you will see decreased productivity because there's less investment in work. What that leads to is less job satisfaction and a less focus on the patient-provider relationship and overall well-being. Psychologically, individuals that experience burnout have a higher risk of mental illness including irritability, cynicism and a flat affect which can lead to psychological mental health diseases such as depression, anxiety and a higher risk of suicide. For individuals, burnout can occur, for the individual consequences we've discussed, burnout can also affect both the organization and ultimately it can trickle down to the patient. Organizational consequences of burnout include reduced productivity, decreased clinician effectiveness, increased staff turnover, um, in, reduced access, and increased overall costs. Individuals and patients who are, who individuals who are patients of a Clinician experiencing burnout is less likely to adhere to that care plan, they're less likely to follow through with chronic care treatment recommendations, and ultimately, there's a higher risk of medical errors, longer recovery times, less focus on preventative practices, and overall, ultimately, lower quality of care. What's interesting is that there's been several studies that have looked at the risk of burnout among healthcare professionals as a whole, specifically focusing on physicians and nurses. And it's only in the last five years where we're starting to see more evidence and more studies done about burnout as it relates to the pharmacy profession. In one study done by Mott and colleagues, they provided a current assessment of pharmacists' attitudes towards work life. This was a descriptive study that included 1,737 actively participating pharmacists in the United States. And overall, what they found is that while the majority were satisfied with their job, most individuals did cite that there was work overload that potentially could contribute to the development of burnout they dis- they described role rural- a lack of role autonomy ambiguity and negative work related habits and relationships as factors that increased their risks in developing burnout In another study done by Jones and colleagues very recently looking at the risk of burnout among clinical pharmacists, burnout rate was high, greater than 60%, and driven by high emotional exhaustion, again, citing citing things where individuals were asked to do more and more jobs, more and more tasks, but given fewer resources to do it. And so this, again, is the recipe for burnout to occur. Before we think about why is it that healthcare and service-related professions are prone to burnout, it's kind of It's intriguing to think about the emotional seeds of burnout. So most of us are drawn to healthcare because of an altruistic service and an altruistic mission where we want to provide service to other individuals. In this vein, in this mission of providing service to individuals, we often deprive ourselves. It can be self-deprecating where we don't provide ourselves the hours of sleep we need, the hours we need with our family and our friends. These can lead to self-deprivation and ultimately isolation. Many of us are perfectionists. We strive for excellence. And in healthcare as a whole, there's little tolerance for error. This little tolerance for error leads to these ideas of perfectionism and potential invincibility where there's no room for ambiguity as a whole. Curative competence. Many of us do not accept an ambiguous answer. Um, We want to know that if we are taking care of a patient, we are in control, but this can lead to omnipotence and a lack of tolerance for ambiguity as a whole and then compassion many of us again are drawn to a healthcare profession because of that altruistic mission we show compassion care and kindness towards our patients but there's certainly a dark side of medicine and healthcare which we certainly witnessed during the covid-19 pandemic for all of our patients far beyond their far beyond their clinical needs we saw the healthcare disparities that existed. We saw the challenges as it related to getting people food, getting people shelter, individuals getting out of jobs, losing their jobs, having to take cares of care of children. And so in order to kind of protect ourselves, we isolate ourselves because we want to protect ourselves from that dark side of medicine. And with that, I'm happy to hand it over to Brian.
0: It's really safe to say that Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, burnout was becoming more and more part of our vocabularies as as healthcare professionals and as as pharmacy professionals. But then I'll I'll take us all back to March of of 2020 and just reflect on how the pandemic has really ravaged our professional and personal lives to a degree that we've never seen before and, and very likely an irreversible degree. And uh, so certainly COVID-19 has, has changed the game for us. Uh, now, close to two years later, would never really have imagined our inability to be uh, live at, at the mid-year clinical meeting with a live audience, uh, but this is, this is where we're at today. And, and, and frankly, we're getting sick and tired of it, right? So part of being in front of a live audience that excited us to present on this topic was the ability to solicit audience engagement. You know, burnout is a while it can be objectively defined. It can be a very elusive term as to what that means to uh, each and every one of us. And so, an alternative to that live audience engagement was we we called in a few favors to for some friends of ours, some professional colleagues, pharmacists in, uh, across the country in various uh, health system practice settings and health system roles and really ask them the questions as to how they define burnout, what burnout means to them, how has COVID-19 changed the game, and what strategies and solutions they suggest they recommend uh, to help mitigate that burnout. So we've edited that video and we're excited to share it with you right now. Um, So thank you and, and hope you enjoy.
3: Good morning, I'm Kat Miller, currently the Senior Director for Acute Care Pharmacy and Clinical Nutrition at the University of Kansas Health System. Hello, my
4: name is Brittany Huff and I am the Assistant Director of Pharmacy over Pediatric Services at the University of Chicago.
5: Hello, my name is Justin Wynn, and I'm a Clinical Pharmacy Specialist in Hematology-Oncology at Rhode Island Hospital. Hi, I'm Joel Serrano. I am the Associate
6: Chief of Acute Care Clinical Services at Edward Heinz Senior VA Hospital. Hey, I'm Terrell. I work at North Memorial Trauma Hospital. I'm a pharmacy technician.
1: Hi, my name's Kristen Chupka. I am the System Director for the 340B program at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health.
7: Hello, everybody. My name is Armando. I am the Pharmacy Operations Manager at Ingles
8: Memorial Hospital. Uh, My name is Anthony Scott, I go by Tony. Uh, I'm currently the Director of Pharmacy Services here at Emory University Hospital.
5: I would define burnout as a feeling of both mental and physical exhaustion. When people start to distance themselves from their colleagues, um, as well as their work, when people no longer feel joy or meaning in the work that they do. And overall, just reduced professional efficiency. Burnout, I would say burnout is just uh,
6: uh, in di- at different levels, depending on what you're working in the hospital, is how much you might have on your plate consistently and on a daily basis. And sometimes, especially lately during COVID, we've seen like uh, a lot of numbers increase, a lot of workload, and then uh, and, and continuously every day with what seems like no uh, downtime. Definitely gets to the people out. See people call off or people just just purely
8: exhausted I would say burnout is getting to a point where what you normally give and are used to contributing just doesn't get you by like You used to get you by before
4: I define it as being mentally exhausted uh, Feeling depleted just feeling like you don't really have anything left to give to normal activities or things that you enjoy, feeling a little bit more fatigued also. Um, Procrastination
3: would be one that's huge uh, that I've seen. I think as a pharmacist, it is no longer finding that passion in taking care of patients and being burdened and challenged to wake up and come to work in the morning and dreading the, the things that we used to really enjoy about our roles in taking care of patients.
5: Overall, I think that COVID has really uh, worsens the burnout in the profession of pharmacy, whether that's with lack of resources, uh, staffing challenges, um, or all the drug shortages that have come about because of COVID. Um, it you know really people are working a lot harder. They're working longer hours, um, working overall more with just lack of resources.
1: You know, I think for COVID in changing the burnout influence for pharmacy, I I don't feel it as much in my role, but I you know, can relate to my previous experience working in a retail pharmacy for a covered entity and knowing the burden of wanting to maintain patient care, being there for the patient, and making sure that you were providing safe medication therapy and I really feel for those in the profession that are trying to balance that part of the profession as we were kind of taught to maintain and be able to, you know, do flu shots, do COVID vaccines, deal with lack of adequate staff because someone's out sick. COVID has increased the demands on all of our inpatient pharmacy team and clinical pharmacy specialists, so I think the
2: constant...
1: Changes in
5: operations and the
6: information that's being relayed onto our inpatient pharmacy teams is adding an extra layer and can contribute to burnout due to the increased demand. Since COVID has swept across our nation, I feel like my workload is just probably uh, probably tripled or doubled. There's um, just like a lot of patients, a lot of a lot of like we got to take care of the. The COVID patients, uh, and uh, we gotta monitor them so much, and make things for them. Plus, also deal with the other people that come in with emergencies or whatever in ailments they might have. So it just seems nonstop on certain days, especially when our our bed count is over the max. It's just, it does get crazy.
3: Have I personally, or have any of my colleagues, experienced burnout? Absolutely. Uh, I think probably everybody has, in one way or another, whether or not they recognize it in the last 18 months.
8: You know, I would say that we're, all, we've are all experienced burnout, especially uh, in the initial months of the pandemic. And um, I think a year ago, we all thought that this would get a lot better than where we are current state. So um, I think knowing that we're in... Where we are now, um, that probably has led to some people having a uh, more of a down demeanor, quote unquote, about where we are.
4: Have I personally experienced burnout? Yes, I have. I am actually burned out right now.
5: So, I personally have experienced burnout, and I feel like most people, to some degree, have experienced burnout.
8: Uh, what is the best individual or organizational strategy that I have personally seen or heard about to decrease pharmacists or pharmacy technician burnout? Uh, From my perspective, I would say that the biggest opportunity there is just putting your money where your mouth is. Um, You know, we've got a lot of internal references that we have offered employees to help address burnout from um, establishing resiliency, finding better work-life balance, uh, encouraging um, outside of work activities and other things like that to help people take their mind off the day-to-day. But, Giving them their resources, but not addressing some of the root causes to burnout is kind of like a, you know, it kind of like you're not addressing the root cause of the problems. I
5: personally thank the Daily
1: Mindfulness for providing uh, reminders about personal
2: care has been helpful, but making action for those
5: strategies is key. What's really worked for me to decrease burnout is taking a vacation. I always felt guilty taking a vacation, especially when it was busy, but I've learned over the years that it's really important to take your vacation, have some time off, and to just mentally reset. The second thing that works for me is having a good support system. So whether that be friends, family, or even your pets, I think that talking things out really does help uh, decrease your stress. And the third thing is to treat yourself, so whether that's a small trip, or uh, or going out to dinner with friends, I think that it's really important to um, maintain the things that you enjoy in life.
7: In order to prevent or really slow the pace of burnout is, uh, has to be two ways. Um, It has to be both at work and it has to be uh, on the individual as well. At at work, we can do everything we can as far as um, trying to keep everybody engaged, uh, not to overwhelm the staff, uh, you know, give them time off whenever possible to see their family or, you know, do as they please. And on the personal side, um, it really is important to uh, get that sleep. I think for me personally, I've uh, really been able to avoid the burnout uh, primarily because I'm able to go home and um, have consistent, um, some consistency in my life. Uh, You know, I sit down with my wife every day, have dinner. Uh, Make sure that we spend time together, you know talk talk through our day Um, Sleep at a a reasonable time Uh, Get enough hours of sleep Uh, Especially now that I'm no longer resident. I try to get as much sleep as possible Um, And of course, you know always have that outlet uh, at home for me. uh, I used to be working out now I I love playing with my dog Uh, He he brings me a lot of joy. He's a little French Bulldog. So um, Try to do things that you love outside of work
4: um, another thing that we've been doing, the management group that I work with now, we really, really try not to contact each other if one of us is off so that we can enjoy the time. And we also defer whoever is asking for that person either to someone else or, hey, how can I help you don't message them just so you can really enjoy your time off and feel like you're off?
3: I would say, you know, there's not one good strategy. I think the, the personalization of finding things and ways to take care of our people is the most important thing. So being able to stop and have a conversation with your employees and with your team members and really asking them, what is the piece that's impacting them? Um, Sometimes they may need a resource at home and they can continue to perform uh, the same way they had been at work and sometimes it really is that the work is just impacting them differently than it used to and that's not their fault Um, that is just the changing landscape of our patients and um, of the patients that we're taking care of.
6: I have a actually I have a good uh, pharmacist Uh, she she likes to she told me that when she leaves here she just tries to forget about everything that happens on the day and try to clear her mind and uh, go home with a, a clean slate, if you will. Um, me personally, I, like I do need some some time to unwind, and sometimes that's it just means doing absolutely nothing just to try to clear my mind, or uh, or at least like what I what I uh, really what I really like is like two days off. If I can get two days off in a row, then then I I will be okay. That's just for me. <laughs>
0: Hopefully you've all felt that was as compelling as we do. Um, it, it's just, again, very interesting to learn from our colleagues and kind of a, a personal setting, if you will, your selfie, selfie videos, um, you know, that we've provided these questions and asked them to, to provide their personal responses. And so challenge the audience here today to, to reflect on that video and reflect on how you would ask these questions, excuse me, how you would answer these questions. Uh, And and before we transition to the rest of our presentation, I just wanted to pause here and maybe ask Lalitha what you felt was that one aha moment or that, that one takeaway for you from the video.
2: So I think as I was watching everybody's different perspectives of what they felt burnout was and how it had individually affected them during the pandemic, that resonated with me because everyone felt aspects of burnout but they manifested it in different ways. And I think that I see that as well. So in my role as a clinical specialist, when I'm feeling burnout because of COVID-19, it's because of my patient care responsibilities versus when I feel burnout in my role as an educator, it's because I'm tired of educating on Zoom and I'm tired of that lack of engagement. And so ultimately it's all causing me to burn out, but through different avenues. How about you, Brian? What was your major takeaway?
0: You know, I, what I, I agree with you there, and um, the, the one big takeaway for me was listening to everybody share their, their solutions and their strategies, you know, and it was interesting based on the role that you played in a health system setting. So, for example, a lot of the, the senior pharmacy leaders and, and pharmacy leaders and managers, they, they really focused on the organizational approach and, you know, the programs offering and, and providing resources to their frontline teams. You know, whereas you hear the, the, our pharmacy technician colleague or our frontline clinical pharmacy specialist talk about the value of having two days off in a row. And that may sound so simple, but it meant so much, you know, to these folks or taking vacation time, which is certainly challenging to do given, you know, the, the unknowns of this, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the pandemic and the demands that it has on our, our health systems. So we'll, uh, so we'll now transition here, and uh, this, uh, <clears throat> this slide here should look familiar uh, because we presented it earlier in this presentation. And this is the occupational drivers and burnout. And I'll call out here, the reference here is from 2017, well before the COVID-19 pandemic. And what we're doing here is we are bolding and we are underlining all of these drivers in burnout uh, as they all have a grip, are all are very apparent and present, you know, within the pandemic, starting with the workload, work, work, working our way down through the challenging patient situations, the loss of autonomy and control, uh, and lastly, the mismatch of values with how maybe perhaps our organizations or how um, you know federal government or local affiliates are handling the situation with what's best for our patient care. There is a a amalgam. There is a growing amount of resources, literature, research, editorials, insights as to how the COVID-19 pandemic has dialed up frontline worker pressures. First and foremost, we've experienced unfortunately 680,000 plus US patient deaths, that was at the time that we put these slides together. I checked this morning and that number is well over 750,000, very sobering. Uh, Many of us, whether it's in the privacy of our own home or in a car or wherever it might be, have found ourselves with helpless looks in the mirror with what more we could have done or what more we can do for these, these patients in these complex patient care scenarios. We too are sacrificing personal health almost every day. I have vivid memories of, you know, connecting with my pharmacy technicians that uh, were very uncomfortable wearing their shoes home after delivering on COVID units uh, within the hospital, wearing their shoes home, because it would be at the the potential risk for their loved ones and and significant others and, and even pets. We heard it from our colleagues of, of the chaos of the workload. I mean, we're talking long days for our for all for all parties, but specifically our infectious disease clinical pharmacy specialists with the ever changing guidelines of EUA and EUA criteria and the monoclonal antibody and and standing up our vaccine clinics that are health system driven uh, down to the pharmacy technician level of. A request of wiping down medications that are coming from these COVID positive units before we're redispensing them to uh, other units in the hospital. Many of you are at the mid year clinical meeting, and hopefully, you'll walk away with really great, fresh ideas of and learn from what other people are doing at other practice settings. And the COVID 19 pandemic, especially in the early days, this was. Uh, one of very few examples that I can think of that there was absolutely no playbook for all of us as to how to handle this, this, this pandemic. How do we decentralize or, or, or have our workforce remote you know, in a matter of weeks, if not days? How do we handle, again, the ever-changing guidelines and, and patient care scenarios? How do we handle patients overflowing out of our ICUs and, and uh, in the emergency department? So certainly no playbook there for us to, to learn and to figure out the lessons that have been learned by others. Ongoing fear of the unknown is something that's going to be a, a continuation. It feels like we're running a marathon right now, and, and unfortunately that finish line keeps getting pushed back. And then lastly, we have the masses of unmasked people. Now certainly perspective has changed on this since the vaccine has become available, but Everywhere you look, whether it's a, a Super Bowl celebration or music festivals or whatever it may be, you know the, the vaccine is only as effective as the vaccine is, you know, some of which 95% effectiveness, but that really would only protect, or excuse me, leave one out of 20 people protected that have that vaccine. We continue to dive into the consequences on the healthcare workforce. And it's it's sad and it's very disappointing and it's very troubling to see the rates amongst healthcare professionals of, of depression, trauma, and burnout rising. Unfortunately, we're seeing increased alcohol consumption, both with the frequency that drinks are being had and the consumption of that of the of the alcohol. Limited respite. Think back to Thanksgiving a year ago. You know where uh, thinking about uh, where. Public officials and, you know, even even our employers were, were challenging us to think differently about how we spend our holidays, which historically, for, for the time that we've always known, have been a time to just relax and enjoy time with family and loved ones. And they were suggesting that uh, we should practice social distancing and, and limit the quantities of folks that are sitting around those tables. Uh, but again, the point here is. Very limited outlets, very limited respite available to these, these uh healthcare workers. And then lastly, of course, we have a reinvented work workforce, excuse me, reinvented healthcare and, and workplace. How comfortable are we today with Teams and Zoom and GoToMeeting and all of these platforms that uh have eliminated that that five minute walk when you go from meeting to meeting or whatever it may be, you know, to catch your breath and reset your mind. When literally you're in the click of a button, you've warped to a new place to, to talk about a whole new subject. Um, virtual visits in ambulatory clinic visit settings and um, just social distancing and masking. I was attending a organization presentation recently that they said that masking may be a new standard of care, um, even when the, the pandemic comes to uh, someday when it, when it resolves, quote unquote, <clears throat> um, masking may be the new normal uh, because of the impact that it had on flu season, you know, virtually eliminating the flu last year. read an interesting article recently uh, out of the Becker's Healthcare Review and it was entitled Stop Calling Everything Burnout. And the purpose of that article was that if we lump all of our feelings like fear, for example, and call it all burnout, we're not doing our feelings justice. So we have two specific definitions, examples here uh, to expand upon that point. And I'll dive into the empathy fatigue, for example. Now, the vaccine has become available for a year now, uh, yet we still have unvaccinated patient populations. And the empathy that we were were innately exercising because this is the purpose of what we do and why we're here um, in the early days when the vaccine wasn't necessarily available, it can be challenging for us to continue to feel empathy for for the patients that, again, exercise their choice of not receiving the vaccine, and unfortunately, succumb and suffer from the consequences um, up to and including patient death um, from COVID-19. The literature continues to grow. Now, Lalitha had mentioned in the earlier part of the presentation that even before the pandemic, we were studying burnout prevalence and incidence rates and and consequences of within healthcare professionals in addition to pharmacy professionals. Uh, There are two examples here of early studies of the prevalence and incidence of COVID-19 related burnout amongst pharmacy professionals, including a study by Jones and colleagues, which reached out to almost 500 pharmacists uh, via a email listserv and reported that 81% or Four out of five of these pharmacists have experienced burnout in the past. Uh, 50%, close to 50%, one out of two pharmacists currently experiencing burnout, and unfortunately not seeing an end in sight uh, with, with continued risk factors. And it's also suffice to say that the other study here, the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, proves that this isn't a health system pharmacy in America challenge, but rather this study took place in the United Kingdom, and England specifically, uh, where they also surveyed 900 pharmacists, this time in community pharmacy practice settings, one third of which have been significantly impacted by the pandemic. Half of them saying that there is uh, a partial extent of the being impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And a good segue for us, half of which have shared that they would take advantage of any resources to mitigate burnout that would be provided by their employers. As we've learned in the video, there isn't likely a one-size-fits-all solution for burnout. Um, There's a lot of strategies that have been exercised by other healthcare professionals. There's anecdotal experience, there's personal experience, we all have our own world views but what we've tried to do here is collect what we've seen and what we endorse um, with the subject matter expertise that Lilith and I have, and that starts with workplace driven interventions. I'll give you a specific example here. So in in the early days of the pandemic, we learned that some of our clinical pharmacy specialists were side by side with our physician nurse colleagues on those COVID units and while the physicians were rotating out every four to six weeks on their their various rotations the the pharmacists remained in that unit straight through and so the pharmacists worked together to dive into duty variability and it required some cross training but they also it required some cross training but they took turns rotating through those COVID units as a little bit of respite if you will Many folks believe, as I do, that there's uh, some benefit of of having individual driven behavior and social interventions. And the number one point here that I'll stress and emphasize is is mindfulness. Mindfulness is another word that we're finding to be increasing part of our vocabularies as as healthcare professionals. And and for those that aren't familiar with the term, really this is stepping away and, and taking a deep breath. Feeling, your, the feeling the sensation in your fingertips and feeling the sensation in your toes and resetting. And it may sound simple and it may sound easy, but from personal experience, I can tell you it goes a long ways um, to, again, just catch your breath and, and reset the, the setting. Lastly, if it's not an occupational workplace-driven initiative or an initiative driven by the individual, Uh, There's also other programs out there, communities that uh, assemble people to trade war stories. Uh, You know, potentially we all here could be considered part of one of these programs where we're really sharing best practices, sharing what we've learned, and and sharing how we have suffered. This is a diagram here uh, from the CDC. And we like this diagram because while you can go to their website here and, and understand how they interpret it, uh, it, it leaves uh, the beauty to the eye of the beholder as, as to how this all comes together here. So from our perspective, self and self-care here and is something we've talked about for a long time, diet and exercise, but it goes a very long ways of taking care of ourselves and, and kind of an individual-driven intervention there. Uh, that we have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of other people. From a values perspective, what we're describing here is ensuring that uh, uh, the mission-driven values of the organizations that we're a part of uh, align with ours. And in fact, some of the folks we've talked to in preparation for this presentation and just in general. They really shared that the COVID nineteen pandemic actually renewed their sense of purpose and aligning that value there, which which helped contribute to their resiliency. And lastly, from an insight perspective, what what I describe this as be is professional and personal curiosity of, of seeking out these references and resources and coping mechanisms in order to to contribute to res- well being and resiliency as a whole. And again. All of this encompassing that resiliency to help mitigate burnout. We'd like to conclude with a COVID burnout case. And this likely may sound familiar for many of you that uh, have worked in in healthcare and, excuse me, health system settings. So what we have is a 35 year old ID clinical pharmacist. Uh, Chances are six weeks earlier Uh, Top down, it was was shared that the pharmacy team was gonna be responsible for setting up infusion sites for the monoclonal antibody. And now five weeks of planning efforts, uh, our pharmacist has some changes in their overall demeanor. Uh, Historically, she has been a star, enthusiastic, dependable, always smiling, but now appearing frustrated and anxious. She's apathetic during meetings um, and really second-guessing what brought her to this position in the first place. And um, finally, unfortunately, a lot of her pharmacist and pharmacy technician colleagues are noticing a dramatic decrease in productivity and again um, a elusive smile on her face. So we want to bring Lalitha back here and just talk through the case a little bit as to what we would propose as far as uh, addressing the situation and creating some longer term solutions. So what we we would in this case present is that creating awareness amongst the team that, that burnout is present. Call a spade a spade. Create awareness, create uh, disseminate resources, that we recognize that workload has tripled. We recognize that there's a lot of unknowns and all of those occupational drivers that we previously discussed here. Uh, we are just checking off all of those uh, drivers in this specific case. Secondly, definitely engage the pharmacist and you know talk through those drivers and, and see if that pharmacist is willing to reflect with you or, or reflect personally uh, as to how the last five weeks have gone. And in the same conversation or as a follow up to that conversation, really try to drive into what this pharmacist specific strategy could be, you know to try to mitigate some of this burnout. So in other words, we heard from our video again of the two days off, or we heard from the video again of taking some time off uh, or spending time with friends and family, or seeing resources and the like. Now that we've attended this presentation and now that we have the insights into, you know, wellness and, and resiliency, if, if this pharmacist didn't have the, the acumen, you know, to come up with those solutions on their own, we can certainly share those options with them and encourage to take a individual approach to the plan. And then, of course, on an ongoing basis, you know, connecting with this pharmacist to check in on how things are going, but also to try to create a a culture and environment within the department uh, and within the organization for that matter, you know, that burnout exists. And here are all of the drivers that we're uh, encountering here on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis and how can we collectively take a unified approach a uh, not a one size fits all but a unified approach to creating personal strategics and sol- strategies and solutions um you know to to cope if you will but uh with that i'm curious to you know hear a little bit thoughts here as well
2: yeah i think you hit on a lot of important things um brian i think a lot of here what I think we'll start to see in the next year. So is more data on what individuals and organizations could do to Combat pand- or COVID-related burnout specifically, because I know we talked about general burnout, the the mitigation strategies, and what you can do with burnout. But so many aspects that we didn't deal with with just work-related burnout all of a sudden started arising with COVID. Right? So it wasn't just being burnt out from work, but now I have to figure out childcare for my kids, and I can't ask my parents because they weren't they weren't able to be around the unvaccinated children, and so. So it was all of these pressures from all angles. And so I think that that shows that organizational strategies are more important than ever, because even things as simple as taking care of yourself and health and wellness, the gyms were closed for almost eight, six months. So even if you if that was part of your routine, you had to figure out another way around it. So I think just being creative, and I know in organizations, um, transparency, open discussions is very, very important. Wellness groups, they're calling them now, to just discuss how COVID has impacted one individually, and you will find there's a lot of common themes.
0: Yeah, I, I like the buzzword you use there of transparency. You know, I think at the end of the day, it, it would be better well-received by this pharmacist in addition to all of our pharmacy colleagues of taking action. Again, that action may not be purpose, but it's better than sweeping it under the carpet, right? Thank you. So key takeaways of our presentation are as follows. Burnout is exhaustion due to occupational factors, and Again, remember that checklist of occupational drivers of burnout and think about how COVID-19 has really driven those within the pharmacy profession, highlighted of course by workload and loss of control. Pharmacy professionals have diverse opinions about burnout and the influence of COVID-19. So think back to our video, but again, we encourage you to think of how you would have answered those questions because we all have our own unique worldviews. And then lastly, Burnout mitigation requires workplace-driven and individual-driven interventions. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach, uh, but rather the more effort and and more visibility, more transparency uh, and more organization of that approach, the better for, again, the frontline teams in addition to the leaders and all of our pharmacy profession in general.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition podcast on COVID-19. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official or wherever you listen to your podcast and check out our COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19 for the most date developments on COVID-19. Take care and thank you for all that you do. Thank
0: you for listening to ASHP Official